podcast, D&D, and that's it. Mic drop. (laughs) Palms are sweaty. Welcome to Make Believe Heroes, an actual play, 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons adventure. I'm your host and Dungeon Master. My name is Paul. Thanks for joining us this week. I'm super glad that you're here. And I'm joined by four friends. Hey guys, it's Jeremy. I play Lorik Darkbolt. I'm Jeffrey, and I play Sir Vance Off the Wall. I'm Alan, and I play Jimalil Cart. Hey, I'm Red, and I play Kellen. And I play Guy. The retainer. Ah. We finally made it to Fallen Grove. But before we see just exactly what's waiting for us inside this mysterious forest, Kellen's home, I'm gonna roll this giant D20. Mm. No way. It's a seven. What is it? I'll roll another two. Oh nice. Ha awesome. That's two good. In a row. Two twos in a row. Two two. I don't want to be eaten by a tree, so that's good. Last week, our group parted ways with their new friends, the half-orcs, Fang, Thorn, Grip, and Slash, as they headed back across the drylands to their home to return the prisoners stolen by the orcs to their families. Our group headed west and a little north toward Fallen Grove, making their way for the home of Kellen's parents, Kellen's family, hoping that this will lead them one step closer to uncovering the mystery of the tree and the stone. But there was one obstacle that most of them did not foresee, the sanction, (gasps) the judgment of Atonia and Fallen Grove itself for each individual that crosses its borders as the goddess and this forest look deep inside to see, are your intentions pure or do you intend to cause trouble for Atonia? Oh, man. Uh Uh-oh. It would seem that Guy was immediately accepted with the sanction. He was sanctioned by the forest. Jim also felt a warm, tingly sensation in his heart as he breathed the deep autumn air of Fallen Grove, but Lorik and Sir Vance were left feeling paranoid, unsure of themselves, and each step was taken with care as they followed Kellen deep into the forest of Fallen Grove. If Kellen could carry me, I would let him at this point. <laughs> That's how freaking I don't Lorik think is. Kellen can carry you, unfortunately. Me neither. Um, Kellen, um... How long how long do you think this is going to go on? I'm I'm really nervous. It should take about maybe a day or so or maybe a few days, but it it won't last any anywhere longer than that. I promise you. How long does it take to get to your parents? Um from here it takes about a day and a half. I'm not actually sure to be honest with you. So the thing is you're coming from the south more than you would have if you all had just traveled straight from Foothill Village. So you're thinking within a couple of days of hitting the, the line of the forest. Where are the roads? Um, Where we're going, we don't need roads. Zinger. Country roads. Bazinga. So as far as roads go, there are roads in Fallen Grove, and you, you all might would even cross one on the way, but you're not following one. You're cutting in the direction. You're very familiar with Fallen Grove. You're, you feel 100% confident that you know where you are. That being said, I am going to have you roll me a survival check with advantage. Okay. Right now. Rolling Ooh. with advantage. Kill him. Okay, so I rolled an 18 on the dice. Okay, plus your survival. Boom, boom, boom. 
Okay, that's yeah. that's that's fine. You're doing really well. What was your other dice? Uh, my other dice was a three. So <laughs> that advantage was helpful. Yeah, you feel very comfortable that you are heading in the perfect direction. That if you stay the course, the way that you're going, following your heart, I guess you kind of know where you are. That you'll cross the road heading into your commune. Look here, guys. I promise you, we'll get there. I know exactly where we are right now. If we just keep going along, we should get there in no time. Within a day or or a day and a half, so that's 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 good because I I just don't feel safe and I I, I, I mean the, the grove I, I never felt this way whenever I saw the visions of the grove and um, these some of these trees I mean look Lord I, I don't even know Lord, where we're gonna go I will keep you safe I promise <laughs> and Lork's grip tightens just a little <laughs> bit more on Kellen's head so the day goes mostly uneventful you you all don't see any threats no no dangerous creatures uh kellen you'll spot plenty of wildlife some deer maybe a couple of wolves or coyotes here and there some squirrels rabbits things you'd expect to see woodland creatures no threats you don't sense any threats you don't see any threats and most of the day goes as you all are traveling through you those of you that have never been through fallen grove before you will begin to notice the land changing the deeper you get in the deeper you travel into the forest, and you guys are still just on the outskirts, the trees start getting wider. The trunks of the trees become wider, and they become taller. At first, when you came in, they seemed, you know, pretty normal for trees. You know, you'd seen some large trees, but as you travel beyond the first stretches of the forest, the trunks grow wider, the moss grows thicker, the heights of the trees exceed anything that you could have imagined. Each time that you feel you've seen the largest and most magnificent tree that you've ever seen, Within an hour, that one is being dwarfed by 10 more. And it becomes very clear to you that due to the unpredictable nature of the land and how that it waves and moves and the roots and the moss and, and all the undergrowth and everything, you're quite sure that if Kellum wasn't here to show you the way, it would have been almost impossible to find your way through here. You make your way through out the first day as you're traveling. You might show them certain types of plants that can be used for you know healing purposes or flowers that can be native to this area you might show them certain plants that can be eaten certain creatures you know and how to catch certain things you know you're, you're falling into your absolute element this is my element lork would commented on on tons of this stuff and like how beautiful it is but he's more freaked out like some trees get bigger he's more like how many you know how many orcs could be hiding behind that tree mm-hmm yeah, he's he's terrified. Even though the the journey's going pretty uneventfully, you are catching yourself over and over as you travel from tripping on a root or slipping on moss that is slick on a stone or some ground that you're going to step on, you know, potholes and, and different things. One time you almost stepped on a snake. It's been a very nerve-wrecking journey for you, Lorik, and the same thing for you, Sir Vance. But, Vance, you will notice that as the day is traveling, it seems less and less like the flora is trying actively to stop you from traveling. Thank you, Forrest. You are so kind. <laughs> also, that uh, that that buzzing in your ear is getting lower and lower, and that scared, paranoid feeling that you had when you when you all first started traveling into the forest—it's still there, but you feel it's like it's not as worrisome as it was. Mm. I mean, it's pretty cool that you can eat that plant, Kellen, but I'm still a little nervous. I keep falling down. It tastes very sweet as well. Here, and I pick up this plant and I hand it to Lorik. 
Let's say, if you take a bite out of this, it's very sweet and it's good for your digestive system. Uh, Lork's eyes get really, really wide, and he's like, "Surveillance, I don't, I don't think eat it. No, I don't. It could be dangerous. I don't. I don't I Shut mean, your mouth. But what if we destroy the place? If we destroy something here, I might get mad. I hand some to Sir Vance as well. I eat it. Lark's eyes dart back and forth between the two, and then he like takes a small, tiny bite. Sir Vance, when you eat it, it tastes bland. Mmm, this is delicious. There's really not much flavor to it at all. So good. Mmm. <laughs> you know, the longer you chew on it, though, because it's it's kind of it, it almost has the consistency of like a cactus. You know, soft. Nothing that you would catch a noble knight eating, but. It starts to get a little sweeter, you know, the more you kind of eat it. But it is pretty good. Lorik. Uh-huh? It tastes it tastes awful. I spit it out. It's bitter, Lorik. And just spits it everywhere, and he's like, oh, oh, it's a killing. I, I, where kind of, are you, why are you pulling pranks on me? I don't, I don't. He's trying to poison you. It's, it's poison. Are you, are you poison? It's not poison. Is this, is this going to make me sick? That, that's not poison. Are you, are you sure? Yeah. Pants. Uh, uh, Lorik. Roll me a d20, Lorik. You die. Yeah. It's an eight. The trees kill mm. you. You've never been poisoned before, but your your throat's starting to feel itchy. My neck, it, it's, it's, look, it's turning red. It's like your throat's closing in. I, I don't know if I can breathe. And he, like, falls down on his knees and he's, <gasps> I, I, I need some water. Lord, calm down, calm down. <laughs> Why did you do that? God just walks over to the plant and tears some off and just starts eating it. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. This is delicious. I try some. It's delicious. What is wrong with you all? <laughs> Have you Has someone cast a spell on you? Lorik, did you not just see me eat the same thing? I did, but I don't, I don't understand why it's making me sick. I can't breathe. It probably has something to do with the forest. Drink some water. Calm down. I cast Chilling Touch on him so that he'll chill. <laughs> do you really? No. <laughs> okay. Servants, do you give him some water? Yes. All right, Lark, you drink the water, and it soothes your throat, and the itchiness goes away, and you're, you catch your breath. Everything seems okay now. I, I will never eat one of those. Nope, nope, not going to do it. I don't know how you all don't feel sick right now. You never listen. I mean, I tried it. I don't understand. Helen, what do we got to do? We, we just need to find the grove. Well, I'm... I'm... Doing my best here. I'm taking you to the only person I think would know about the grove that I know of. Kellen, you've never seen anyone have a reaction like that. Uh-oh. I'm kind of scared a little bit. You're starting to wonder if Lorik's not being straight up rejected. I don't know what to do. I honestly, like... Not that you would say that out loud. No, anything, no. But, you know, you can. But I'm just giving you that knowledge. That's This is me thinking. Yeah. Um, I don't know what to do. I don't know what Kellen would do. There's nothing that you can do. Kellen wouldn't have any idea what to do. Exactly. And you don't know that for sure, but it's definitely strange. The only thing I guess Kellen would do is stick as close as possible to Lorik to maybe protect him. You can make his traveling a little easier. You all might travel a little slower, but you can spot all the places where it's going to be tough for him. You know, you can take him on the easiest path and, and and that goes for all of you too it's a follow the leader situation where kellen is in his element he can guide the perfect path for you all so i'm assuming that you all continue on yeah yes yes and i pick some more to chew it on the way 
Sure, yeah. Lord pulls his foot out of the root that's wrapped around it and oh, Kellen, uh hopefully you could take us where that it's not as rough. Jeez. You all continue through the day, and the deeper you get into the forest, it's dim in here. It's not like hard to see or anything, but there is a heavy canopy of trees and and leaves above you that's blocking the sun from shining down deep into the forest. But you guys are traveling through, and you know it, it becomes apparent when night is falling. And so, Kellen, you you feel like you've made pretty decent time, all things considered, and you feel like it's a good time to set up camp. Um, guys, I I think it'd be a good idea to set up camp right now. I think it'd be best for us to set up camp. Yeah, it, it's it's really heavy in here. Maybe maybe some sleep will help. Yeah, I, I just feel like I haven't even seen the the sun. Well, it's okay. It's okay. You're doing great. I promise. You're doing way better than I expected. <laughs> I'll go collect some wood, and y'all sit around here, and I'll start a fire. So at the point that you guys are stopping, the sun has set and you're all kind of gathered around there while Kellen goes off to get some firewood, just some dead wood. Do any of the rest of you help him? I follow and I'm helping, but at the same time, I'm examining every plant with detail so I don't get a whole lot of wood. Gotcha. So as you all kind of sit down and get some rest, Sir Vance, you lean back on a root or something, you know, just kind of relaxing and you just feel super at ease. Nice. And for the first time, you, you really taste the air, you know, like it's it's warmer where you're at now, but it's like a comfortable warm. It's not like this hot, dry desert like you guys were in the dry lands, and uh, you just feel really comfortable and at home. Okay. I mean, is everyone going to, is it sleeping time? I'm a, No, they're all going to get, okay, so Kellen and Jim are going to get firewood. You, Guy, and Lark are, are standing here, and Lark, I assume you're kind of just standing around looking nervous and fidgety. I'm sitting on the ground now with both wands out, just my eyes darting around, like waiting for the trees to eat me. Guy is just kind of walking around, humming and checking out the plants. He's like, "Man, I, just, I really like it here." Sir Vance, maybe, maybe this is a, maybe it's a trap. It's Kellen not a trap. Maybe Kellen brought us here, and he's going to kill us. We're on a quest to come to this forest. Right? Why would the forest be rejecting me if that's why it's here? Why does it like me? I haven't done anything wrong. It's not up to me to decide. It's up to the Paylor and Antonia. Have you tried talking to Paylor about it? Uh, I can. Maybe that's a good idea. This would never happen in Vent Haven. There's not even roads. We're not in Vent Haven anymore. (laughs) Hey, Lorik. Yeah. Roll me a perception check. Oh, God. Gonna die. That's a 12 on the dice. Mm. Perception's a plus three. So a 15. You don't notice anything? I just, I don't, I don't trust what's going on here. I, I don't, I know that you feel that everything's okay, and it probably has something to do with that stuff that Kellen was talking about before, but how do we know that that's not a trick? Maybe that's the problem. What do you mean? You don't trust. You're too worried about what's going on. You're too worried about the sanction. You're too concerned about the gnomes, and you've heard their tricksters, when clearly you've seen through this quest, this mission, that the gnome that's been with us has only done anything to help us. I mean, I mean, yeah, and I, I thought, I thought Kellen and I were we were becoming friends, but then he gave me that that flower back there and tried to poison me. You do realize that I ate this exact same flower. Maybe it's not poisonous to men. Maybe it's only poisonous to elves. Okay, Jim is also half elf, so he would be half poisoned God, right now. God, he's <laughs> half poisoned. <laughs> so, uh, real quickly, Kellen, 
Yes. This is a great role play, by the way, but just to find the kindling and dead wood that you need, you're at least 100 feet away. You're out of sight. You're probably like 100 yards away. Yeah, you and Jim have walked away. I wouldn't even think it would be that far, but all right. The thing is, there's not just like piles of wood everywhere. What it is, is you're picking up a <laughs> yeah, little piece here and a little piece up, there. Yeah. You're having to walk a little ways to get enough to substantiate a, a campfire, okay? Indeed. And you can't take anything green from the trees, like you know that. Yes, that won't burn. Jim starts to feel half poisoned. Half poisoned? I mean, is, is that even a thing? Okay, but you don't, you're not even listening to what I'm saying. I am I'm a highborn. I, I, I mean, some things may not affect anybody. I don't, I don't know what his heritage is. Is he, is he half highborn for sure? Do I know that? It doesn't matter if he's highborn or not. He's an elf. You need to get over yourself. <laughs> Coming from <Grimster> Vance. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Get over myself. I just want. I just want to save the tree. The whole point of me coming here was to, to, to help someone. Well, let's focus on that. As he says, let's focus on that, Lorik. You hear the sound of a low growl, and it sounds like it's coming from the tree above you. And as you look up, before you have a chance to say a word, a large black creature jumps from the tree above you and lands on you on me yes it pounces from a tree limb onto you oh, and gosh. just a quick glance it, it looks like it's made of shadow what's your ac my armor class yeah it's a 13 yep okay so this thing pounces down to your shoulder driving you onto the ground and when it does something whips around and just digs into your side oh nine you take nine piercing damage as something whips around and just digs into your side it feels like something bit you right under your rib cage i scream out in pain sir vance you're standing there talking to Lorik, and you say we just need to focus and about that time in the dim light you see this dark shadowy figure jump down from the tree above and just land on Lorik. a dark figure and let's roll initiatives I rolled a natural one. How appropriate. That figures, you know. I rolled a 14. 17. 16. Excellent. Jim, your turn comes and goes, and you are looking for wood. I find some. You got a good little hand, a good little armload of wood. Sir Vance, it's your turn. Something is attacking Lark. And now that Lark is pinned to the ground and you've got a second to kind of take a, have like a double take on it, it looks almost like a giant panther, except there are these wicked-looking tentacle things coming off its back that are, like, opened up with hundreds of teeth. Would I have seen anything like this before? No way. You don't know anything about it. What do you want to know about it? What I want to know is, will it blend? <laughs> will, it, will it blend? <laughs> you ever seen those videos? I don't guess. Okay. Sorry. So... I'm going to, as a bonus action, say a little prayer. Say, say a little, little prayer, prayer for you. <laughs> Except it's actually a little prayer for me, not for him. Okay. And I'm going to empower myself with divine radiance. I'm using divine favor. And I want to immediately stab that thing in the back with my pack. Go for it. I don't really want to say what I got, but. Oh, no. Is what it a natural get? one? Though? Did you get a natural one? It could be. Okay. Oh my gosh. You have inspiration? I'm going to die. You do not have inspiration. So, 
make me a deck save with a disadvantage. Okay. Okay, we got. So, 15. Okay. That was close. That's not good enough. No! That's <laughs> so close. So, what happens is this thing, it's got two tentacles. One is latched onto Lark's side, but as you charge forward with your pike, it whips up and grabs your pike and rips it out of your hands. Oh, snap. And it flings it across the forest, probably 50 feet away from you. Lovely. And now it is Kellen's turn. Kellen, you are gathering wood. Yay. And since no one has yelled out or said anything yet, you're just gathering wood. I mean, Lork is screaming in pain. Yes, he is. I'll tell you what, Kellen, just roll me a perception check. Okay. That is a 16 plus my perception. You perceive someone yelling. Would I understand it's a high-pitched yell? You would understand it doesn't sound like someone playing. It sounds like someone's hurt. Oh, is Jim right next to me? He is. Jim, we probably should head back. Uh, you should drop the wood, and I'm going to run my speed. Is something the matter? Well, I heard a high-pitched squeal that sounded like something was in pain. Okay, so I put my wood down where his wood was left. <clears throat> Are you running? Yeah, we're, we're running back. Now it's this thing's turn. Oh, man. First thing it's going to do is it's going to bring that one tentacle down and try and just slash you with it again, Lorik. Great. What'd you say your AC was? It's a 13. Wow, that meets. Ooh. You take 11 damage. Are you serious? Yeah, that's six bludgeoning damage and five piercing damage. Then it is going to try and grapple you. So you can do a dex or strength, right? Yep, I'll be doing dex. That's a 13 plus 3, so 16. Okay, you edged him out. He got a 15. So you are not grappled. One of them tries to wrap around you and like squeeze your arms free, but you're able to kind of work your way loose from it and like back up. You're still on your back, but you're crawling back on your elbows to keep from getting wrapped up by it. Now it's Guy's turn. Guy's going to turn around and run for the pike. He is going to pick it up. Yeah, boy. And he is going to say, Servants, and throw it to him. I die. And I'm going to roll to see how his throw is. Eh, it's okay. He doesn't get it to you, but he gets it close to you. So you'll have to use a bonus action to pick it up. Hmm. Lovely. Now it is Lorik's turn. Out of sheer panic and the fact that this thing's like standing over me and I'm laying on the mm -hmm. ground, I'm just going to fire off Agonizer's Scorcher. Okay. I'm just going to get off of me and fire off. It's a line of fire. Uh, he has to make a dex saving throw. Ah. It's a f 15. If he succeeds, he'll take half damage of 3d8. He fails. Yeah. Let's roll this. 15 damage. So this streak of flame comes firing out of your wand toward him. And he almost seems to shimmer and scoot to the side, but before he can completely avoid the flame, it glances down his one side and he lets out a yelp. I'm then going to try to use my move to get behind Servants if possible. Uh, he's still within five feet of you. Oh, he is? Mm-hmm. So my move can be disengaged, question mark? No, that ha that's an action. If you want to move, you will just risk an opportunity to attack. Oh, man. I'm already hurt so bad. What does he get to do? He's going to do a physical attack if I try to move, you're right? Yeah, he'll try to. He'll just try to attack you. I guess I'm going to lay on my back like a coward. 
<laughs> I mean, you can get up, but if you try to run away, he's going to attack you. Yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna stand up as I roast him, and and that's going to be it. Okay. So now it is Jim's turn. Jim, I'm going to say that you guys, you're still going to have to use your full action running to get here on this turn. You can get here on this turn, but you won't be able to take an action. So I get here on this turn, but I don't take an action. Right. But I kind of stop short behind a tree whenever I am approximately about 100 feet away. Okay. Just within line of sight. When you do, you spot ahead what you recognize from things you've heard to probably be a displacer beast. What do I know about these beasts? If you want to actually know something about it, I'll say you can spend a bonus action to do a check. I'll let you do that to think about it. I'll do a check to think about it. Okay. So would that be... Nature? Uh, nature? Mm-hmm. I got a natural one. Mm. We're doing great. You think it's a displacer beast, but you're... You're honestly not even sure, and you don't remember anything about them. So I say, guys, I think this is... Sus- Never mind. It's <laughs> <Okay. laughs> mm. Would it take a bonus action to pull out my sword? No, I wouldn't make you use a bonus action to do that. Because I want to use a bonus action to take a small piece of holy text paper and use Shield of Faith on Lork. Shield of faith. That's fine, but that will end your divine favor on you. Really? Yes, because they're both concentration spells. Oh, dang, they are. Still seems like, you know, the thing you might do, but I'm just saying it will I end I think that would spell. be the better choice. Okay, so that grants him a plus two to AC? Yeah. Yay. And then I would just use my great sword to make an attack on this boy. Attack him with disadvantage. It's a 17. That's a hit. Nice. That would be 9 plus 4. 13. 13 damage. Yeah. You bring your great sword slashing across this thing's back as it is facing off with Lorik. Kellen, just like Jim, you manage to get close enough that you can see these things, but not close enough. It's going to take your, your full action to get within 100 feet of them. So I can't do anything? Uh, no actions. You could take a bonus action maybe, but no action. Can I take a bonus action to maybe learn more about this? Roll a nature check. All right. That's a 16. 15 plus 1. Um, you know that it is, in fact, a displacer beast, and you know that they are wicked and hard to hit. Hmm. All right, so now it is the thing's turn. It is going to attack Lorik again. No. That's a miss. Good. So it swipes at Lark, but you quickly kind of step out of the way. And as the sword slashes across its back, its other tentacle is going to whip around and try and hit Servants. Don't do it. It's also a miss. So double miss. And now it's Guy's turn. Guy is going to run up and swing a short sword at it. He hits him. Wow. Hit him, Guy. Wow. Four minimum damage. Three damage. <laughs> Got him. Got him. Okay, now it's Lorik's turn. Get this, get this thing away from me. This, this whole, whole forest is trying to kill me. Uh, second level magic missile. Do it. Four d four. Oh yeah, I got four, eight, twelve, fourteen total on the dice. Plus four more. It's eighteen damage. Dang. Do 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 do. Insert sound effects there. 
now this thing for the first time is starting to look a little wary. And it's Jim's turn. I am going to produce the orb from my pocket. Yes. And cast Toll the Dead. Oh, wow. I'm surprised. I was expecting an Eldritch Blast right here. Yeah, not this time. He ain't scared. He has to make a wisdom save. DC 15. He rolled an 8. He rolled an 8. He failed. Okay. I am going to roll Dimash. 1d12, is that right? Yes, because he's, he's taken damage. It is a 9. Okay. So, I hold out my orb. My eyes kind of go glossy. And you can see sort of some dark swirlings in the orb. It's like normally the orb has kind of like a milky look to it, but you can see like something, a dark cloud starts swirling through it. Mm -hmm. And I start to whisper some things like, and nobody else hears it, but the creature hears a dolorous bell, like a sad, melancholy church bell that's been cracked and forsaken. And as it hears it, its head perks up, and then suddenly it just kind of convulses in some way because it's taking necrotic damage. Nice. Servants. 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 Is that something I would see, like what just happened? Well, you had heard him whisper, and he's well, pretty far away from you. I don't. Was he speaking Hebrew or something? Probably. Sound, kind of sounded Hebrew. You, you probably saw the thing shake its head. That's probably about Shalom. it. Shalom. Shalom. So, I noticed that there's a glimmering shield around Lork, and I feel a little better about that. So, I'm just I want to kill this thing as fast as possible, and I'm just gonna swing yeah. my great sword at his face. Do it. It's a twenty, not natural. That's a hit. Very good. At seven plus four, so eleven damage. You slash across its back, and a purplish blood spurts out across your sword. Mm. Ooh, purple blood. It lets out a growl, and now it is Kellen's turn. Kill it, Kellen. Am I allowed to use any of my new stuff? Yeah, if you want to. That's, I really kind of want to. Can I get within 10 feet of this thing within my mm. turn? No. No, okay. Nope. Okay, I can do this. I'm going to cast Frostbite. Uh, it says I can get within 60 or 70 feet. So He needs to make a con save? Yes, he needs to make a con save. He got a 17. That beats it. Wow. He take a no damage. Yeah. So you rush up and kind of say some sort of incantation? Yeah, in Gnomish. So now it's his turn. He's going to attack Sir Vance. Ooh, Try me, boy. The Lord. It's a hit. Ow. You can't do nothing. You take 13 damage. That's nothing, boy. He swipes at Lorik. <laughs> he rolls a natural 20. Are you serious? Oh my gosh. Are you serious, Paul? I kid you Ooh. not. Are you serious? Uh, I, I am serious. <sighs> You're good. I'll save you. You take 17 damage. <laughs> Lorik's down. 
So this tentacle wraps around and digs into your chest right under your neck. And it, instead of just stabbing you, it like bites in and rips off a chunk of flesh right here on your chest. He basically just screams, sir, sir, vets, help. And he's out. And then it just rips it out. And when it does, this thing just lets out another like screaming growl sound like a panther. And Sky's turn. Guy looks totally freaked out. And he is going to bring out the wand and try and cast magic missile. Come on, yeah, guy. That's an 18, boys. Oh, yes. We're going to give him two on this one. Yes. Wow, he rolled a three and a four. Beautiful. Nice. A magic missile just pierces right into this thing's chest for nine damage. Get up, guys. And now it's Lorik's turn. Lark, you need to make me a death saving throw. Oh, no. So, Paul... Won't you explain how death saving throws work in D&D 5th edition? If you get three failures, you die to death forever. If you get three successes, you sustain. A failure is a nine or lower. A success is ten or higher. A natural 20 automatically sustains you and gives you one hit point. A natural one counts as two failures. So this could get bad fast. I'm going to roll this gold D20. Do it. Come on, girlfriend dice. What did you roll? That that's terrified me. It is a seven. Okay, that's a failure. Oh, it's still it's still bad, but uh, I thought it was a natural one, and it is not. Mm. It's a seven. Some blood just spurts out of that hole in your chest. Oh, gosh. Jim. I raise my orb, and as I do, I whisper again. And whenever I do that, it's like the whisper carries, mm-hmm. but it gets silent and subtle, but sometimes suddenly sharp and swirls around the displacer beast. And I cast dissonant whispers. So he has to make a wisdom save. Mm. He rolled a 16. Corn on the cob. That's a save. Yes. So that, that succeeds, but he still takes half as much damage. As these whispers float toward him, the thing looks up and his eyes kind of glow, this purplish glow. He makes eye contact with you and he seems completely unfazed. So Ooh. he doesn't even take the damage? He take a no half a damage. Oh, wow. Yeah. Hmm. He enjoyed it. Oh, no. Now it is uh, Servance's turn. Servance angry. Servance angry. That's what... Is that what Servant says? Servant smash. Servant smash. No. All right, roll it. What are you doing? I think I would want to kill this thing before I try to heal or help Lorik because, I mean, obviously it's just going to cause more damage while I'm trying to do whatever. So I'm just going to attack it again. Do it. That's a natural 20. Oh. Yes. Ooh. Kill that thing. Roll Ooh. that damage, sir. So how does that work? You roll double damage. So if it's 2d6 with your great sword, you roll 4d6s. Yeah, boy. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, plus four. Fourteen. Fourteen damage he got. Fourteen damage. So how does it look when you kill this thing? Thank Paylor. Since I've been hitting it in the back this whole time and it's just slashing away on that back. Yeah. I'm just going to bring the sword straight up one more time. And just cut straight into that gash I've been cutting and split the thing in two. 
Ooh. Purple Oof. blood spraying everywhere. You half this bad boy. Just you grit and you just strain every muscle in your body and you bring it down, slashing through the middle of this thing. And when you do, you kind of sever it right between two of those tentacles and they're just flopping around for a second as blood and guts just slump out onto the ground. Yeah, boy. Yum. Dang, son. Immediately, I want to run over to Lorik and cast Cure Wounds. Okay. And that is your third spell, right? Yes. Roll me a D8. That's a six plus two. Air fills your lungs as you regain eight hit points. Surveillance, <gasps> ah! where is it? Where is it? And he, it's he dead. stands up and oh, he starts touching his neck to hold the blood in. We got so that hole in your chest started to heal up. Servants, you've seen wounds like that heal with cure wounds, and this yeah. does that, but it looks infected. Almost like poisoned or something like that. You can tell that even the healing magic didn't have the proper effect on it. Okay, so uh like it's no longer bleeding and it looks healed per se. Like the wound is closed up, but it doesn't look good. It's got black lines coming off of it. So I'm also, when I notice that, I want to use my lay on hands pool and expend five hit points from it to, well, what it does if I use five, it can cure the target of one disease or neutral one poison affecting it. Okay. What are you doing, Servants? What are you doing? Does he gain five hit points if you do that? He doesn't, does he? No, it's just it gets rid of that effect or whatever it is. Okay. I need you to roll me a 20. Oh, Lord. It's a 12. You do it, and at first it looks like it's working, and like those lines, you know, the black lines on his chest recede, but they don't disappear. They stay there. Surveillance, what what is this? Lorik's like tracing the lines on his chest. You realize that you're not going to be able to heal this. My my robes are, mm. are ruined. And Lark, you don't feel so good. I feel like I feel like I'm gonna be sick. You feel really weak. I need to get out of this. I need to get out of here. Kellen, you guys come <laughs> running up. Yes. You see the wound on Lark, and Lark looks kind of dazed and pale, paler than usual. Would I know specifically what's going on? You have no idea. Okay. You've never seen anything like this. I I I feel like I need to sleep. I feel really tired. I don't think you should sleep. This is a concussion. This is a concussion. It's a concussion. It's not a concussion. You hit your head too hard. Vance, I, I don't I don't wanna die. Servants, Servants, I don't I don't wanna die. You need to calm down. Jim, would you know anything about what this is? I don't know. DM. Alright, Jim, you wanna check it out? Let me check it out. Okay, go up there. I am all grave and stuff. Roll me a D twenty. I got a 12. That's pretty good. You lean down and you, you survey the wound on Lark's chest and you notice that his breaths are coming in like short, shallow breaths, like somebody who can't catch their breath. And you kind of put your hand on the wound and you feel those marks. As you do, you get that sense that you've got, that feeling that you've gotten in the past, like someone is leaning over your shoulder, looking down. I try my best to hide that feeling. Your eyes take on a glossy look, but uh, roll me a deception check. 24. Yep. Natural. No one would notice. Natural. No, no one would natural. notice that anything is going on with you. You lean down and you, you hear those whispers in the back of your ear. 
and you get the sense that there is something unnatural about this wound, that it's not a physical poison. It's some sort of a malady beyond the means of normal healing. There's something not right about this. It, it's not a normal wound. It's not a normal poison. I don't know what it is, though. So you're saying that, what do you mean by it's not normal, Jim? Something about it. There's there's a feeling of just something. Have you ever felt like you're being, you're you're just dirty? You're just filthy or as if, as if maybe you're, it's almost like a moral filthiness. I've, like you've done something wrong. I, I felt it's, dirty since I've walked in this forest. There's something bad at play here. I don't know what it is, but. Lark, roll me a con save. Oh, goodness. That's a three on the dice. Okay, you faint. I'm out. Asleep. Guys, I, oh, I think I may know a person that could help us, but we'd have to go now. I don't know how long he can sustain like this, but I feel like if we got him to my dad, then my dad may be able to help him. He is an alchemist. And Guy says, if if you know someone who can help, we need to go now. Yeah, yes. We need, we need to do something about this. So you all gather up your stuff and go? Yeah. Yes. You gather up everything and yeah, I go grab my pike. I grab my firewood. <laughs> okay. You all take off. How are you transporting Lorik? Servance, are you just carrying him? Yeah, I'll just carry him over my shoulder. Okay. I need you to make me a strength check. 15. Okay, that's fine. You're handling it just fine. I mean, you guys aren't running full speed ahead anyway because you're moving through the forest at night, but you're making good time. And whereas you would have gotten rest the night before and then walk during the daytime, it's a little slower, but you all are are still going to get there quicker than you would have. You're traveling as fast as you can through the forest. Kellen, you see no more obstacles. You see no more creatures. You see nothing. All of you that were up close, Servants, you've got this thing's purple blood all over you. Guy has some on him, and Lark, of course, is covered in, in that thing's blood and his own blood, and his breaths are getting shallower and shallower as you guys are running along. Lark, roll me another constitution save. That's an eight on the dice, so a ten total. Okay, you're You're okay. You're not waking up or anything, but you're not like dying or anything. So you guys are running along, and after you've ran through most of the night, you're you're exhausted. All of you are exhausted. You've lost hit dice at this point. Each of you has lost one hit die. So you Ooh. can expend those if you'd like. If you, you should probably mark that on your character sheets that you've each expended one hit die running through the night just to kind of keep yourself going. When Kellen, just around the time of dawn as the sun is coming up and it's starting to slowly brighten up in the forest. You guys break through the canopy of the trees onto a small road. And Kellen, you immediately know that this is your road. Guys, guys, we're we're here. We're almost here. Come on. It's just a little bit further. Does it go ever on and on? <clears throat> Down from the door where it began. Far ahead the road has gone. Kellen, you, you know you're at home. You you see it. You're on the road. You know you're just a you know a half hour's jog from home. I'm assuming we're not going full speed right now. You haven't been because you've been going through the forest, but now you're on a road. Guys, let's let's pick it up as fast as we possibly can and just follow me. Try to keep up. We need to get him to my dad. So you all take off running down the road. Yes. 
Let's go. You're jogging down this pathway, uh, killing it. After a short time, the road kind of opens up on the right, and there's actually an opening in the trees above where it's like a, a circle where the sun just shines right down. And there's a small house over here with a big circular door that's surrounded by flowers. Uh, and you know this to be the home, the house of old Gaff, the local. Old Gaff. What do you call somebody who grows flowers? I don't know. Florist. Florist, that's the word. That's the word I'm looking for. The local florist, Gaff Browngirdle, the halfling. But you don't see him out there gardening as you would typically see him. I mean, it is pretty early in the morning. And you guys just run right past. You see some other uh, houses of people that you know and things. And then you turn off onto a small path shortly thereafter. And you take off just full speed ahead. And somewhere around 20 to 30 minutes after taking off down that path, you see up ahead of you the open clearing that you know as the house dimble. When I say house, I say it in a very loose term. If it were under different circumstances, the rest of you would probably be a little bit confused and a little bit in awe of what you're seeing. And what it is is it's two very, very tall, very, very wide trees that are growing up in the middle of this clearing that looks best described as a yard. And these trees, they grow straight upward from the ground, clean all around them. Somewhere around probably 40 feet in the air, the tree seems to bubble out. Okay. So like there are these giant knots in the trees. There are two of them in the main tree in the front that are at least 40 feet up off the ground. And right in front of you in the bottom of the tree, there's a doorway that's open, but it doesn't look like it's been carved out of the tree. It looks like the tree grew this way. That's awesome. Jim takes a moment from his worry to just admire and pull out his notebook and start to take notes. Okay, just <laughs> he just kind of slows down a little bit taking notes. There are actually two of these trees. There's one that's sort of in the front and center, and it has two of these giant knots way up high off of the ground. And then there's one kind of off to the right behind it just a little bit that has a smaller knot that's the equal height with the taller one on the main tree. I'm booking for the doorway, and I pull it open as fast as possible. Okay. You, you guys run straight ahead. Kellen swings open the door. And stepping inside, there is a spiral staircase that goes up through the center of the tree. The stairs are rounded. And again, it doesn't look like it's been carved into this tree. It looks like it was grown this way. Like the, the steps have a sort of bark on them that makes them hard to slip on. I'm, I'm screaming for my dad and my mom. Mom, dad, I need your help quickly. You take off running up the stairs, bursting through the door at the top. And immediately as you enter into the first knot of the house, on your right you see your dad sitting there at his alchemy table where he's typically doing his work. At the sound of the door swinging open, he looks up at you wearing those bug-eyed goggles that he usually wears when he's working at his table. And with a look of great surprise at the sight of his son, along with four strangers that he's never seen before, standing there in his doorway, he pulls his work goggles up over his dark black hair with gray peppered through it, and he says, Kellen? This has been Make Believe Heroes. We hope that you have enjoyed what you've heard. And if you have, you know what you should do? You should let us know. You can do so on Twitter at MBH Podcast. You can do so in an email, which you can find in our show notes. And the best way that you can show us your love is by going on to iTunes, leaving us a five-star review. Those are a huge help to the show. And, of course, tell a friend. That's always, always a huge help to us. 
If you like what you've heard in terms of the sound effects and things, many of those can be found on BattleBards.com. You should check them out. There's a link in the show notes as well. Man, what's, uh, I don't know. I'm just not happy. I just don't know, boys. Lurk's dead. He failed to (laughs) save the tree. Uh, I guess tune in next week to see what happens with Lorik. Goodbye. Bye. Welcome to my spaghetti. <laughs> spaghetti. Can we keep that in there?